With legal trouble brewing for former President Donald Trump, Republican presidential hopefuls find ways to attack the highest polling candidate. Join us on the campaign trail. Good afternoon, everyone. I may have found some rain, not this week, but next week. I'm excited to tell you about it in first morning weather. And a simple phone call helped change a life. Meet the woman battling cancer and the gift of cool air a community gave her. But first, we are following a developing story out of Southeast Austin. Austin firefighters are working a four-acre fire. That's near the Mabel Davis District Park and an apartment complex on Parker Lane. They were called to the scene just before 1.30. About an hour later, it was 85% contained. Investigators are still looking into the cause. AFD tells us, though, no buildings are threatened and no evacuations were ordered. As the 2024 presidential election draws closer, the stack of legal troubles for former President Donald Trump piles up. KXAN's Washington correspondent Raquel Martin joins us live. And Raquel, how is this really affecting the campaign? Well, the former president is not allowing these indictments to slow down his reelection bid. In fact, he's been fundraising off of it. His Republican opponents, however, are pleading for him to step aside. Donald Trump is a national security threat. This is not the kind of person we want as our nominee. Republican presidential hopefuls are turning up the heat on frontrunner Donald Trump as the former president faces a growing number of legal battles. I don't think he's the right president at the right time going forward. On CBS's Face the Nation, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley warned the president's federal indictments are a threat to the party. We can't have a general election where we are handing it over to Kamala Harris because we're dealing with indictments and court cases and legal issues. Any day now, Trump is expected to face his third indictment, this time over his role in the January 6th attack at the Capitol. It's election interference. He's a crooked people. While stumping in Pennsylvania over the weekend, Trump slammed the special counsel overseeing the case. Deranged Jack Smith and the DOJ will probably bring another case along with the DA. Smith already indicted Trump on 40 felony counts related to his alleged mishandling of classified documents. Monday, Trump's property manager made his first appearance in court. He's accused of plotting to help Trump by scrubbing security tapes at Mar-a-Lago and was added to the indictment last week. And Trump has a fourth indictment in the pipeline, this one based in Fulton County, Georgia, where he's been accused of trying to meddle in the 2020 election results. We're now in Washington, Raquel Martin, back to you. And Raquel, how soon can we see that fourth indictment come down? And could any of these cases land the former president behind bars? Well, just today, the district attorney in Fulton County said that they're ready to roll. She says that charges could be announced as early as September 1st. And as far as jail time, the former president does face some criminal charges that would warrant uh, jail time if he were to be found guilty. But uh, it's unclear. We're in uncharted territories exactly if that would happen. The Department of Justice has a policy where they do not interfere during an election year. So a lot of this will come down to how quickly these cases move through the courts. Okay, Raquel Martin in Washington, D.C. Thanks so much. First warning weather with meteorologist Rich Siegel. And good afternoon again, everyone. David has the day off. We start out with a live look from the Ewald Kubota weather cam up in Georgetown, 102 degrees. Sunshine and again, the influence of some fair weather clouds providing just a little bit of shade here on this Monday afternoon. It is 105 at Camp Mabry. 107 was the forecast high today and we still might get there. 104 at Cameron out in the hill country, 104 at Lano. 
and a couple uh, not in the triple digits. It's 99 at Burnett and Fredericksburg and 98 at Blanco. Dew point temperatures are generally running in the upper 50s to around 60 in the hill country. The low to mid 60s along and east of I-35 with a few upper 60s. And so that provides a heat index right now. It feels like 107 in Austin, also in Luling. 106 is what the heat index is from uh, Giddings down through LaGrange and Flatonia. And Cameron has our highest heat index at 109. All right, uh, we'll be at about 105 at 5 o'clock and then down to 102 with those clouds starting to thin out during the early evening. And then by 9 o'clock tonight, 94 degrees. Still ahead, we'll talk about the records because that's all we've had to talk about. We'll also give you what the storage is right now at the Highland Lakes because that plays a significant role. And as I said at the start of this show, I may have found a little bit of rain, and we'll talk about that too in a few minutes. Jen? All right, Rich, thanks so much. Artificial intelligence is at the forefront of many changes. Reporter Greg Sergel explains how it's improving quality of life for one New York man who was paralyzed after an accident. Now I can reach to my cheek, reach my chin. For Keith Thomas, those simple arm movements are miraculous. Three years ago, the Massapequa man broke his neck in a pool accident, leaving him paralyzed from the neck down. We were just praying for his survival. Keith's sister has helped care for the 45-year-old since his accident. Open your hand. So it was fitting that Michelle Bennett's touch was among the first things her brother felt, thanks to what doctors are calling a breakthrough procedure. I'm such a better place now. Keith Thomas broke down today thanking the Northwell Health team that's helping to restore his movement and his feeling. Keith is, is the true pioneer here and, and really doing something that hasn't been done before. Chad Bowden is leading this clinical study designed to help people just like Keith. In a 15-hour surgery last March, doctors implanted five microchips in Thomas's brain. That computer technology, with the help of artificial intelligence, has reconnected Thomas's brain with his spinal cord and his body. We actually had to have Keith awake during a small portion of the surgery. He was able to tell us he felt his thumb, he felt his finger. It is, doctors say, a kind of electronic bridge that's bypassed Keith Thomas's injury. I didn't think that was possible at first. All this movement and going forward, I'm thinking maybe it is. Thomas's ability to move has improved dramatically since the surgery, giving his loved ones hope for an even better future. It means everything because I know that the loss of his independence, it hurts. And that hope now also extends to 100 million people worldwide suffering from paralysis. Keith is showing the world that it is possible. Well, as we continue to see triple-digit heat, first responders remind us to check on our neighbors and aging relatives. A Dallas woman learned her 60-year-old neighbor who is battling cancer was living without AC. What she did next proves that one simple call can really change someone's life. Brittany Johnson has a story. But I have lost so much, but I gained a lot. And I just want everybody to know. They got me by it again. 
These days, a lot of people are showing they care for Miss Deborah. She's going through chemotherapy, recovering from a stroke, and was making do in the extreme heat without AC until Janet Dore found out. I couldn't let this little old sick lady possibly die in this house when something might possibly be able to be done. And God put it in my heart to make that one phone call. Door called Jason Pullman at 99.5 The Wolf. This is my purpose in life, is to help out people in the community. And from there... It was a snowball effect of love and kindness. My brother called me and said, hey, are you listening to the radio right now? The owner of Heart HVAC went to meet Deborah that night. We got to the house. Uh, in, in her bedroom, it was 101 degrees. As they talked, he thought of his mother, who died in February from cancer. I watched my mom in her battle. Very courageous. And uh, I've always been inspired to do kind things. It's what my mom taught me. It's what's instilled in my blood. And you don't ask questions, you just do. With help from Train, Hart HVAC replaced her AC unit, and then Hart called Heroic Roofing. Considering she is dealing with stage 4 cancer, and she has a lot of other things she needs to be focused on, and her roof should not be one of them. As crews replaced her roof, the grounds guys trimmed trees. Inside, a case manager from the Dallas Area Agency on Aging joined the new community of supporters. The department will help Deborah pay utilities. All of this from one call. I say just look around. We do have good people that still out here. Brittany Johnson, NBC5. From chemo to marathon, training in the sweltering heat for an ambitious goal, the Austinite raising money to fight a disease she knows all too well. But first, the heat isn't the only thing rising. Why the price of the pump is making drivers sweat this summer. At Thomas J an historic heat wave gripping parts of the U.S. throughout July is beginning to ease up. According to AAA, the summer heat also contributed, though, to the rise in gas prices, which is up 16%, 16 cents rather, since last week. NBC's Steve Patterson has the details. Yeah, as the temperatures and the heat are spiking this summer, so too, of course, unfortunately, are the gas prices up to 376 now the national average over 16 cents from just a week ago uh, and of course you're going to hear things from reporters like me about this being the summer blend in the middle of the summer driving season and of course cuts to production of crude oil worldwide making this situation much much worse one of the biggest drivers here um, of course and generally as always during this time of year but it's also the heat itself that is tied to this problem. Refineries in places like Louisiana and the West Coast, really across the country, are so overly heated that they can't operate at full capacity. The refinery capacity is in fact way down, which means those places which produce the gas itself, turn crude oil into gas, can't do it at the same level that they're normally used to. So in effect, Gas prices go up. This will dissipate over the next few weeks, but we've heard from experts that they expect this to go up at least another seven to 10 cents before it's all said and done. So pain at the pump, certainly, uh, and just a game that you have to weigh out and let play out. Back to you. Ooh, 529. I'm glad I'm not where he's at. Oh, me too. <laughs>
Today is July 31st. I, I cannot remember when I've been so happy for a month to end. Why? Just because, because of the weather. Okay, okay. Because okay. of the onslaught of heat. And we'll know in a little bit when we get the official high for the day if this will turn out to be the hottest July ever. Ooh. Because I think that's going to be the case right now. It is by half of a, or no, five hundredths of a degree. Okay. But I have something more important and to I'm tell waiting you for about. It, so I'm waiting for it, too. <laughs> Let's take a live look from the Austonian here downtown, where the present temperature is a toasty 105 degrees, and unofficially, that is our high so far this afternoon. Today's pollen count, molds are a little higher, still in medium numbers. Yesterday at 37,000 spores, today at about 47,000. Grass pollen is a little bit lower today. Yesterday about 35 grains per cubic meter of air, today 30. Well, with the temperature reaching 100 early this afternoon during the 1 o'clock hour, it makes the 24th day where the high has reached 100 or more. We will tie this record of 27 on Thursday, set it on Friday, and then add to it after that. All right, we will drop into the 90s during the 9 o'clock hour. I think for the most part we'll be in the low to mid-90s, and then we'll uh, drop temperatures into uh, general uh, upper 70s to around 80 tomorrow morning. And here we go back to what is a forecast high on Tuesday afternoon of about 102 to 106. An excessive heat warning for 11 counties. This is for air temperatures at or above 105. For our viewers in Caldwell, Hayes, Blanco, and Gillespie, counties you folks are under a heat advisory this for air temperatures up to 104 along with the heat index up to around 109. The center of the high, as we talked about over the weekend, has now moved back into Texas. It's actually along the Red River kind of sits there for a few days then starts to meander down to the west and southwest and then by the weekend it's a little further away but its reach will continue to keep our weather under the intense heat that we have had. All right, clouds and radar. We haven't shown this much because there was nothing to show. There's really not much to see here. This is right now. And as we go through, you saw a little green near Austin uh, on Tuesday. But watch what happens. This is next week. But I wanted to show it to you because I got excited about it, and I knew you would too. This is the American Model Tuesday, about 6 to 7 o'clock, lasting until the late night hours and then tapering during the overnight period. And then there's another potential that we could see some rain on Wednesday, Thursday, but still, at least for the next seven days, no rain. I'm not really sure where they're getting that from, but what the heck. All right, from the first morning weather center, mostly clear tonight. South wind 5 to 10, 79 the overnight low. Sunny to partly cloudy again the record high tomorrow 107 in 2011 will forecast 106 southeast winds increasing during the afternoon up to 10 to 15 105s for wednesday thursday 106s for friday saturday sunday and monday high pressure continues to grip and come on do the dance that we get this rain that we so desperately need and uh, speaking of we will be talking more coming up in our next segment about the storage capacity at the highland lakes because again we are bordering on possible stage two restrictions by the middle of August. And we'll be back with that in just a few minutes. Jen. All right, Rich, thanks so much. And Austinite set a very ambitious goal for herself to go from chemotherapy treatments to the New York City Marathon in 100 days, all to raise money to fight cancer for people just like her. KXAN's Dylan McKim shares her story. 
Montgomery Lax is training for the biggest race of her life. Oh, there's yeah. 50,000 people. It's like one of the world's biggest marathons. But as hard as it will be to run 26.2 miles <laughs> and training in the sweltering Texas heat, it pales in comparison to the battle she fought getting here. In April of last year, after seeing the doctor after suffering from sinus headaches, an MRI revealed she had a brain tumor. She was diagnosed with oligodendrolioma, a brain cancer. Looking back, the Leander ISD teacher saw some warning signs. In a way, I was kind of happy I got the brain cancer because it made me feel so much better about what I had gone through. Days later, she had brain surgery but they couldn't remove everything. But I still have like a golf ball sized chunk of tumor in my left frontal lobe still. More troubles followed, chemotherapy, an allergic reaction to the drugs, and even a dog attack. But still, she fought on. Brain cancer kind of makes it really, there's more to life than just yourself. On her last day of chemo in June, the American Brain Tumor Association called her, asking if she'd run the New York City Marathon and raise money for its charity. The money helping fund the research that helped create the very same treatment she's under currently. You really don't run long runs except for like once a week. Now she's lacing her shoes back up with the goal, chemo to marathon in 100 days. And she's training with her sister, who will run the Dallas Half Marathon. We're a family, and as family does, it doesn't matter where you're at in life and what y'all have been through, you pull together and you show up. Lax knows it will be challenging after chemo, but she says she's ready. She's fierce. She's stubborn. Nothing will ever hold her back. And that was Dylan McKim reporting. Lax is looking to raise at least $10,000 for her charity. You can find a link on how to donate on our website at kxan.com. The Gulf of Mexico is getting an influx of sail drones. How the technology helps researchers better understand ocean currents as well as hurricanes. Hurricane season is slowly ramping up and scientists are taking advantage. Meteorologist Sean Kelly spoke with Matt Womble from Sail Drone about how their automated ships will deploy into the ocean this fall. Sail Drone is deploying a record 12 vehicles into the tropics, including the Gulf this summer, to help support NOAA's research to advance hurricane forecasting. Can you tell us a little bit about these Sail Drone vehicles, what data they are recording and are they uncrewed and how are they powered? Uh, so for this mission, we're operating our Explorer class uh, uncrewed surface vehicles. Those vehicles are 23 feet long. Uh, they're equipped with a, a hard wing, uh, which harnesses wind for propulsion. So we are completely renewable power. We use wind for propulsion to move around in the ocean. And then we collect uh, energy via solar to power all the onboard sensors. You asked about what sensors, what sort of data we're collecting. Uh, it's easiest to think about the, how sail drone is uh, very akin to a meteorological oceanographic buoy that would be deployed offshore. Uh, we measure things, everything from wind direction, wind speed, uh, wave height, wave period, air temperature, atmospheric pressure, uh, relative humidity, uh, and the list goes on and on. But really a, a diverse collection of both atmospheric and oceanographic variables that are really important for NOAA and their efforts to try to help better understand the ocean, better stand the ocean, and how it helps to fuel hurricanes uh, as they approach shore. And how many years or missions have taken place already so far? And what has your success been like? Yeah, so this is our third annual mission with NOAA on the on the hurricane front. Uh, we started this in 2021 with five vehicles, and those five vehicles were just out in the Atlantic. Last year, we uh, upped the number of drones to seven vehicles. We had five in the Atlantic again and two in the Gulf of Mexico. And this year, as you mentioned, we're deploying a record number, 12, 12 drones. Um, and those will be vehicles spaced out throughout the Caribbean, the Atlantic, uh, and also in the Gulf of Mexico again this year. 
So thinking long term, where do you see sail drone heading? With regards to ocean data, you know, from a, from the hurricane-specific mission and where we're going, we're hoping to, to formulate and, and push this mission into something that happens every year, right? We think the data that we're being able to collect, and we think NOAA agrees, is helping them uh, produce better forecasts, um, be able to improve their knowledge, be able to improve their ability to forecast these storms and give people better information, hopefully protect their lives. Awesome. Matt Womble with Sail Drone. Thank you so much for joining us. Staying out of the heat is getting harder for some central Texans. Investigator Mike Rush explains why one renter has gone months without a fix to his AC and explains renters' rights in the state. KXAN.